Hello and welcome to Serial Killers and Seltzer. Happy Halloween, my beautiful witches. I figured I would bless your ear holes with a creepy-ass tale on this wonderfully magical and spooky day. So you're fucking welcome. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I'll start out by letting you know things will get pretty graphic today. If you are spooked by the black-eyed kids, this tale is sure to thoroughly haunt your dreams. So you're welcome for the nightmares. With that being said, let's just jump right into this. Turn up your devices, curl up in a cozy blanket, crack open a seltzer, and kick your kids out of the room because shit's about to get spooky. I am actually drinking a watermelon white claw. It's my favorite. I have my Halloween witch makeup on right now. So my lipstick is everywhere. If you have me on Instagram at serialkillers underscore seltzer, you can see my costume. Um, yeah. So I'm super excited. Let's fucking get into this. Happy Halloween. So today's topic is the Russian sleep experiment. So Rus- Russian. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas base using an experimental gas based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them. Uh, since it was toxic in high concentrations, this was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows in the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, because they obviously did not want these people to sleep, uh, running water and toilets, and enough dry food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained having been promised falsely, falsely promised, uh, that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was, it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly, increasingly traumatic incidences in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on a dark aspect over the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternative, alternatively whispering into the microphones and one in, into the one-way mirror portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades. The other subjects in captivity, yeah, their comrades, the other, cap- the other captives. 
At first, the researchers subjected this, oh, sorry. At first, the researchers subject, oh my God, suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about the behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the book, took the books apart, smeared pages, smeared page after page with their own feces and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working since they thought it since they thought it impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom system inside the chambers, hoping to provoke any response from the captives. They were afraid or they were afraid that the captives were dead or in a vegetable state. They announced, "We are opening the chambers to test the microphones. Step away from the door." and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn you one it, compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm response. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out amongst the researchers and the military for the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chambers at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of, of loved ones to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects they began to scream loud louder and louder than ever and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside four of the five subjects were still alive though no one could rightly call the state that any of them were in as alive the food rations past day five had not even been touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects, thighs, and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. 
all for, for surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their f- fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the Position and angles of the wounds indicate that most, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs belong below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed, while the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remaining remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract, tract of all four could not be seen could be seen to be working. Digesting food, it quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of the days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chambers to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternatively begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count ones that committed suicide, in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of a morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arms of one doctor. when heart was seen when the heart was seen to beat for a full 2 minutes oh when heart was seen to beat for a full 2 minutes after he was he had bled out to the point there were there was more air in his vascular system than blood even after it stopped he continued to scream and flail for another 3 minutes struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over, weaker and weaker until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begged for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured, the most injured of the three was taken to the to the only surgical operation room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within 
his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare him for the surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints. When the when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put to put him under, he managed to t- tear most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even though the weight of a 200-pound soldier was holding that wrist as well. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant, in the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operation table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be sedated. Most of them were from it, from the force his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed. He was unable to beg or object object to the surgery, and he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval. When the anesthetic gas was brought near him, he shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly uh, they tried to the surgery without anesthetic and he did not react for the entire six hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remaining what remained of his skin the surgeon pres- presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically possible impossible oh that it should be met shouldn't be medically medically possible for the patient to still be alive one terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever their eyes met when the surgeon when the surgery ended the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly attempting to talk while struggling assuming this must be something of dr- drastic importance. The surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simply keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well. Although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation, the surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow follow the attending surgeons with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in abnormally short periods of time, and and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The amount the moment they could speak, they were again asked for the stimulant. They were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given: "I must remain awake." All three subjects restraint. All three subjects. Restraints were 
were reinforced and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, a former KGB agent, instead saw potential and wanted to see what should happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might, first left, then right, then left again, for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brainwaves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering from brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his uh, his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of a deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwaves showed the same flat lines as one of, of as one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. One of the name, one of the named three, immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed as the remaining member of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? He demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you. Begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralyze when you go to the nocturnal heaven where we cannot... tread. The researchers, the researcher paused, then aimed at the subject, subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out, so nearly free. The end. So that was a 
the story of um, the Russian sleep experiment. It is actually a creepypasta. Um, so, could be true, could be fiction, who knows? But it is creepy as fuck, right? You, you guys were thoroughly creeped out. It was very creepy. I have goosebumps reading it. Um, I did my best. I did my best reading all that. But, um, so just a quick overview. I didn't, I obviously didn't want to tell you that it was a creepypasta beforehand because I wanted to thoroughly creep you guys out beforehand. Um, but let's just do a quick little overview of this creepypasta. Uh, so widely regarded as one of the most popular and widest spread creepypastas ever written, the Russian sleep experiment is notorious as much for the uh, gruesome nature of its content as for its plausibility. To this day, a large portion of the article's written about the story are attempts to investigate its validity or to debunk it as a hoax, something that speaks not only to the story's effectiveness, but also the deeper social anxieties to which the story appeals. So I don't know if you guys thought that that was true, but when I heard it for the first time, I was like, I can see that happening. The fucking Russian, whatever, the KGB, all that shit. Who knows? Soviet, you know, that could have something to do with uh, the Dyatlov Pass incident, you know, KGB. Um, so for ho- for those of you, for those who don't know, the Russian sleep experiment is a supposedly factual account of experimentation acted out on the subjects by the Soviet government and military in the wake of World War II. The experiment ostensibly meant to explore the effects of sleep deprivation on the human body was also used to test a new gas that could keep people awake for days at a time. The report uh, documents the degeneration of those experimented upon individuals commonly referred to within the creepypasta community as the test subjects. The horrifying results of these experiments and the crazed, almost subhuman or demonic creatures in uh, produces it produces are often illustrated alongside the story with one image in particular being representative representative of the entire myth. So I will actually post that picture. And then I'll give you a brief description of it right now. Um, But yeah, I'll post a picture on my Instagram. Um, It is terrifying. So if you see it before you see this, sorry. (laughs) It's sorry. Um, So while, while there are a number of images associated with the Russian sleep experiment and the story is of an uh, event rather than about an individual or character Sorry, there is one image that is most well known and commonly linked to the story, and which most fans uh, will instantly recognize. The image shows a humanoid creature staring blankly into the camera. The figure is horribly emaciated, a fact that is further emphasized by the extent. Uh, extent to which the eyes are sunken back into the sockets, the brow and cheekbones protruding to an unnatural extent. The teeth, meanwhile, are of an unusually large size and forced forward by the 
thinness of the subject into a uh, maniacal looking grin. The subject's hugely exaggerated features, enlarged head and huddled posture, first with the concept of yeah, first with the concept of them being as much a victim as a threat. The image is in black and white, which lends uh, lends its lends it some authenticity considering the period in which it is alleged to be taken. Um, thankfully, the image is a fake, and rather uh, than being a human being, uh, it is in fact a, a photo- little photograph of a Halloween prop named uh, spasm created in 2005 by morbid enterprises. Um, it is terrifying. (laughs) So the real life influences to this creepypasta. Um, so while many creepypasta stories have clear influences from other folklore, uh, other folklore traditions, what makes the Russian sleep experiment story so, uh, unsettling and horrifically plausible is it's, proximity to the truth. Uh, while many words and articles, uh, inches, article inches have been dedicated to debunking this myth, it is simply a fact that similar horrors have indeed been committed by governments of their own people, uh, on their own people, and that these indicate, you know, and, then, and these incidences were undoubtedly influential in the formation of this particular mythology by suggesting that the events recounted took place in the late 1940s and with the addition of black and white and period uh, photographs the authors and posters place these fictional events within the same decade as the real life atrocities of the holocaust uh, while the sleep experiment narrative might seem far-fetched in most contexts, uh, with most readers questioning the authenticity uh, and ethical and moral uh, validate, val- validity of such research, they remain within the realm of possibility when one considers that similar and perhaps greater crimes against unwilling subjects were committed in, this, in the name of advancement during this period. Uh, though exaggerated to the point of monstrosity, the f- uh, the photograph of the Halloween prop spasm skirts the line of being plausible when one is reminded of the photographs of the near-starred victims of the death camps under the Nazi uh, the death camps under the under the Nazi regime. In a deeply disturbing way, the hollow cheeks, sunken eyes, and blank stares are nakedly reminiscent of real-life footage and images from the time. Furthermore, when one considers the the forced experimentation and medical research performed on unwilling subjects, including the disabled by the Nazis, Uh, most infamously, um, done by Joseph Men- Mengel, uh, who, for example, saw fit stitching pairs of living twins to one another. It becomes clear why readers have a hard time 
dismissing the story offhand. I thought it was true, honestly. It, I mean, it seems far-fetched, yes, but also it does not. Um, so the Russian sleep experiment remains one of the most impactful and haunting creepypasta creations, not only because of the effectiveness of its fiction, but because it skirts a little too close to the horrifying truth. So this was posted, I believe in like 2009 or 2010 by an anonymous person. I think their username was like orange soda or something, but uh, fuck, I would want to take fucking credit for this. This is amazing. If it is true, if it's not true, like I, it's, I feel like it, you know, true events, you know, kind of, sort (laughs) of, like they said, skirts the line of, uh, truth um but yeah that was it that was terrifying um so that was a creepypasta that was my main source creepypasta and then the pictures were that I'm gonna post on Instagram are from the Googles um but yeah I mean happy Halloween I'm glad you guys listened in with me um So yeah, happy Halloween. I hope that gives you nightmares. Cheers. Cheers, witches. Until next year. Happy Halloween, y'all. Don't forget to follow me at killers underscore seltzer on Instagram. And make sure to send me any email you would like. Um, uh, Send it to amijustcray at gmail.com and yeah we can chat or tell me any spooky stories that you have or any research that you've done of the macabre all right happy halloween everybody cheers it's a commercial go away damn it kid Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some of you may know that I am a tattoo fanatic. I have many tattoos all over my body. I plan on getting more in the near future. I actually have an appointment coming up for a leg sleeve, so that's exciting. Um, But recently, a company called Lucky 13s asked me to collaborate with them and to be a tattoo model and a product ambassador, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, So a little bit about the company, Lucky 13s is an all-natural tattoo aftercare brand. Uh, One of their most popular products is a tattoo balm, which brings back your ink's vibrancy and definition. It also heals, moisturizes, and nourishes your skin while keeping your tattoo protected. So I will drop the link for Lucky 13's online shop. Um, in the show notes and use code wells w-e-l-l-s 
for a 25% discount on your entire order. Check them out. Lucky 13s. So I am super excited to announce that I just became a Beachbody coach. Uh, this means that I have full access to Beachbody On Demand, um, the app, the website. Um, I have ordered Shakeology, uh, the vegan chocolate, and then I have a green tea pre-workout on the way. So I'm super excited to get this started. Um, Beachbody On Demand literally has thousands and thousands of workout plans that you can try, nutrition advice. Um, They have access to live workouts. You can do it in a group setting. You just do it on Zoom workouts. Um, It's very cool. Um, I feel like a lot of people hate on Beachbody, but those are probably the people that have never tried it. So if you are interested in having access to thousands and thousands of workouts, having access to um, a group setting and being able to be in a group that helps you be accountable for your workouts and your uh, fitness journey, uh, just send me a message on my Instagram at fit underscore mamacorn or shoot me an email at Kaylee underscore wells at yahoo.com and I can get you registered today.